Welcome to the Pregnantish Podcast, where we share the reality of infertility and cover the great lengths people go to to create their families. Today's episode is sponsored by Fertility Out Loud, a platform and social media community which provides guidance to help you better understand your fertility journey, resources and tools so you can get the most out of your appointments, and support from a community who have been where you are. Visit fertilityoutloud.com for more. Those who have followed Sarah Kennedy Ellis's career as a top CMO for blue chip companies like Adobe and now as a VP of global growth and demand at Google know how talented, driven, and successful she is. What they may not know is that no matter how dedicated and focused Sarah is on one of her most important goals, having a baby, she has silently struggled behind the scenes until recently. I really hope, especially for women earlier on in their career, it's given them a little bit more empowerment. I mean, it took me until almost 40 to share that. And I've been battling that for now, technically almost a decade in some respect. I kept it private uh, because I thought it was selfishly at some point benefiting me. And I don't know what that meant, right? Like keeping it private somehow meant that I was going to get one more phone call for that next big job, or I was somehow going to get what, I don't know. I just had all these ideas of what other people might interpret that to mean who haven't actually experienced it themselves. And the reality is this is the most important thing going on in my life right now. In one of her most vulnerable tweets to her business focused audience earlier this year, Sarah shared, Quote, after three and a half years and counting, nine cycles of IVF, two miscarriages in the last six months, I think it's time for me to finally just say it out loud publicly. Infertility is a special kind of fresh hell that takes a toll on even the strongest, most resilient people I've met in life. She added, one thing I have learned most is how important it is to share your journey, to be part of a community of women battling the same. I built my career being transparent as a leader, and I have with my team, but I've been weirdly shy to share this new part of who I am here. Until now, of course, Sarah, we're so grateful you're using your voice here, as we know it'll help so many others suffering behind the scenes, and I wanted to welcome you to the Pregnish podcast. Thanks, Andrea. I'm so thrilled to be here. You know, I and you're so busy and you took time out with us because I know this matters deeply to you. And I see you getting maybe a little emotional. Is it how does it feel to hear back your your story, your struggle, <laughs> your voice? Yeah. It is it is weird. It actually I was like, oh no, <laughs> I am getting emotional. It, it it is kind of a surreal thing because you also as you know, and in many the women who listen to this and men you go through these, you go through this journey, you sort of are in this haze at times uh, and, and you're just in it and you're committed and you continue to take one step and put one foot in front of the other, but stepping back from it for a minute, it it is surreal. And it is crazy to think it's been now um, coming up right on four years of going through uh, IVF and, and being in that part of the process that it feels like five minutes and it feels like 50 years in many ways. So um, yeah, so kind of emotional to, to take a step back for a minute when I'm kind of just day in and day out, just putting one foot in front of the other. 
Well, you know, I th- and that's for so many of us the truth because it's it's one of our biggest life goals and the stakes are so high and it's so all-consuming, as you know. So it's hard to remember a time when it wasn't in our lives, right? When <laughs> right, we weren't right. cycling, monitoring, thinking about this. But who are you? One question we always like to start the podcast with, who are you, who are you outside of this infertility experience, which we're obviously going to focus on in the Pregnish podcast, but... sure. What did you grow up thinking your future would look like in career, in love, in life? Yeah. Uh, you know, I grew up as a, a just a rabid athlete. I was uh, very, very obsessive over basketball in particular, but I played volleyball. I ran across country, did all those things, and actually ended up trying to walk on to Baylor's team in college, but spent a ton of my early years developing a competitive fire passion spirit for that. And I think it served me really well, actually, in my business career, because you just learn more about being a teammate and being both a leader as well as maybe the one behind the scenes at different points in time. And I think for me, that's been a great thing to have in service of who I am now as a leader in business. So I spend a ton of my time actually still, I still do play. I've actually, uh, I've started in the last like four years when I can't be as active. It's been a lot less, but I used to play in the YMCA rec league up until then. And also... I'm obsessed with technology. I'm obsessed with what's happening that's kind of new in different spaces. And so I've spent my career really as a lifelong learner. And I love building teams of just diverse thoughts and different people who can come together to do really great work that they're proud of and that they brag about to their friends and family. I mean, that's the most fun part of being in in marketing is really getting to see other people develop their careers. So I also grew up with a passion for writing and, and just storytelling in general. So that turned into marketing for a career for myself. And I'm somebody who loves to travel the world. I love uh, just being immersed in completely new things and different people, cultures, um, all of that. That's been a gift to me throughout my career and my journey. Yeah. And and all those things, you know, your, your professional success, your success in sports. And though, you know, what's so interesting to me is it sounds like in the best way, you're an achiever. Like you, you get things done. You want to do something yeah. and you go for it, right? And I and work hard and you and I both know that does not necessarily merit, pay off. Forget it. Like if there was an award for, I always say this to our audience at Pregnantish, our, our audience would get A++ for how hard we try. When some yep. people, it feels like sneezing, get pregnant or, you know, people not trying. Don't you love those people yes. who, I wasn't even... <laughs> What? How did that happen? How has it been for you to kind of reconcile that? Because that's a part of you to get Gosh, what you want. I don't know that I have reconciled it. I think that's something that I still struggle with a little bit is the acceptance that I may end up at this at the end of this journey at a place that wasn't like my hard work may not have paid off, right? I also view though everything, I, and I, I kind of hate but also love the phrase of everything in life happens for a reason. I do know that at the end of this journey, wherever we end up, timing is really critical. And I do think, you know, if we end up pursuing adoption or if we go down a different path, the timing of whenever that child in particular would come into this world that we may end up with is is because of that. However, I also view this as a bit of my stubbornness where it's kind of, I, I have a lot of people who critiqued me even when I posted that tweet, like, why haven't you moved on to do something else or whatever, you know? And I, I knew I was going to have the opportunity and the means because I work for an incredible company that provides insurance benefits, but we've been blessed in financially to where I can make the choice to continue to just 
plow through and work hard and do another cycle and go through that. And I've got the support system around me to be able to do that. And most women do not have that. But I I did know that whenever I was making active choices around when we were going to start IVF. And so I was like, I will work harder than anyone on the planet to get you know, what I want. <laughs> and it just sometimes doesn't work that way. And I, the thing I hate most is, and you know, everyone does this and they say it with the most well-intentioned, you know, like from the most well-intentioned place. But the, oh, you know, I know these people who just as soon as they stopped, you know, it worked out oh, for them or this, as soon as they, you know, We should have you know, like a the- dinger on the Pregnant <laughs> Podcast every time a guest tells us stop saying that. Right. This is so triggering when you try everything to get and stay pregnant. And then someone has an idea. Oh, I never thought of that. Oh, I yeah. should have sex. Yeah, like people, right? right? <laughs> you, you get yeah. told like the wackiest advice, but how do you respond when people give that kind of, and I'm sure you got a lot of it after your tweet. Oh, for sure. But I, I say, you know what? That, you know, you're right. Like exactly that could happen. It's crazy how that happened. I just sort of am gracious about it because they don't know. And there are a lot of people don't, they just don't know what to say. It's kind of like when you're going through death or grief or any, any kind of thing in life, people don't know what to say. And so they, they offer up what they have. And I appreciate that every time because they're engaging with me about it. And I think it's, you know, it's really, it's always sincere coming from them. So I know they don't mean anything poor, bad by it, but it's just like, no, no, it won't, you know, and it's, even when other friends will say, I just know it's going to happen for y'all. I'm like, but it might not. My husband mm. and I both are very realistic about that. I mean, I think he's become even more realistic, maybe not maybe not a pessimist, but it's almost, it feels like a miracle when something good happens in a process, you know, it's just so few and far between. So yeah, I think, you know, you never get used to it. It's, it's the expecting the unexpected when you're trying to expect with fertility treatments, (laughs) that's a mouthful, but really nothing is a straight line. And you think it's sometimes it's, and you know this very well, it's one step forward. Sometimes it feels like 30 steps back when you thought the one step forward would be the, the answer. But let's talk about your husband. How did you meet? And when did you first start talking about having kids? And what did you think would happen? Yeah. So we met actually in college. We were really good friends. We were very platonic friends, by the way. Um, I, I was I was married to someone else, actually, for my first two years right after school, which was kind of crazy. I was not somebody who ever anybody would have looked at me like, oh, she's going to get married right out of college because <laughs> I was very ambitious and very whatever. And, you know, that marriage did not work out. And thank goodness. But that was for like just two quick years. And then I went into grad school, actually, I was getting my MBA and I was doing a whole lot for myself. And Hunter, my husband, came into the picture because he was just, <laughs> we were friends and he was like, hey, you want to come like hang out with us again? And so I re- really re-entered that friend group. And so within, I think, I don't know, it was very short. It was like a year, within a year we were engaged and just the biggest blessing in my life. I could not, just so many things. He's He's the thing I'll get most emotional about, but He's made different choices in his own career for to ensure my journey could be what it has become. And he, you know, we he was actually he ran the entire alcohol category at 7-Eleven for years. And that was when we lived in Dallas. I took a job uh, as CMO of Marketo with, you know, the hope that we would be able to sell the company and that would turn into something bigger for us uh, as a couple just financially. And he decided to kind of give up what he had and the thing he loved and take a totally different job that he ended up not really loving as much in another context and ended up being generous enough when we were kind of going through all this. He was not happy. And I was like, listen, life's too short. You made these sacrifices for me. Why don't you take a year, take two years and just sort of like reset and on what you want to do and where you know you want to go next. 
we started our fertility journey right during that time. And every single day we looked at each other and I was like, and his job had been highly stressful. He was traveling every week. Mine was the same way. And he was like, how would we do this? Like, how, how do couples do this? Cause I was also terrified of giving myself shots. Right. And I had the luxury of having someone else who was okay with it. He was so, he was able to be the calm person when I was having meltdowns. And, you know, if both of us had been on a, you know, at an 11 in our jobs, and having to navigate this, I, I don't, we actually became stronger as a couple during this. And I know a lot of couples go through that. Some couples also don't get stronger. It actually becomes a bigger challenge. And I think we were really, again, blessed in a situation where he could take that time and it, it and he sort of became sort of the chief of staff for all things around <sighs> my medical treatment. I mean, it was just kind of crazy, but he was such a, just such a gift and such a sacrifice I know that he made, but we're both very content in our roles and we have a very, you know, unique, I think, dynamic and people from the South that we were both, you know, from Texas and his family's from Alabama. And they, they kind of look at us and go, is that, they're like, we get like, it's cool. <laughs> well, like, it's kind of cool, but it's just not something that they see a lot. So it works really well. And I, I just don't think we could have gone on this journey without it. You know, it's because I've covered relationship advice and trends for most of my career. And so I was really interested when we started Pregnish to start looking at research around couples during infertility and fertility treatments. And in fact, a lot of people were reporting what you reported. I got closer. I found out uh, our strength as a couple more than I ever knew. We really relied on each other. Those who broke up and research does show, and I want to always remind our audience of this, if you break up because of infertility, chances are another life milestone moment would have broken you up. So it's right. It's not because of your infertility diagnosis or experience that breaks you up, but it, 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 it does put tremendous stress. And I think the, the backwards blessing, and I, I'm of two minds when it comes to the blessings of infertility. I want to slap those people, but I will say my husband and I also got closer and oh my gosh, the vulnerability when you're, when you're leaning over for shots. I mean, nothing sexy about that. Not at all. Um, And he, you know, he's become an expert in all of it. But I I will say like we, we, he's been such a great support system for me also, because he's never had this, I have to, I have to have a child that's genetically my own. Like he's never had that need. And I know, and I, and I early, early years or days, really, we would talk a lot about that. And I was like, are you sure that, you know, it's okay if we, cause I don't know that I can do this. I, we went into it and I thought it would be not easy, but I thought it would be, you know, maybe a few cycles and then we'd get there and it became obvious that may not ever happen for us. And so, and he goes, oh my gosh, he was, I mean, he, he goes, I'm very happy if it's just you and me for the rest of our life, it's fine. And that took so much pressure off of me that I wasn't dealing with, you know, knowing that those were his expectations and his own ambition for his life was founded in my ability to, you know, have a child. And, and not that there's anything wrong with that. If it was, it just, I have so many other things that add stress. He's never been one of them. He takes it away completely and he makes, he's, it's sort of like my active choice to continue this journey versus he's, a, he just, he wants to be a parent, but he's very content if he, if he is not. So that's been really unique, I think for us. And I know, again, a lot of women don't, don't necessarily have that, but I don't think that's a bad thing if you want that. It's just, our yeah, that's, works that that's way. an amazing thing. You have such a good partner for you during, and this this will fare well um, if and when you have child or children in in every way, right? I, right. So, what do you did you know you might have to do fertility treatments when you started? Because it sounds like it. I did. I well, I went into 
I actually went to get tested when I was 31 because I, and now I'm 40 now, but I did, when we were in Texas, we had been not, not trying for, I don't know, I think two years at least. And or maybe I was 31, 32, something like that. And we, I, I was just kind of like, oh, and I started taking my, my OBGYN and giving me fertility. I was just like, oh, this will help get me pregnant. And then I started to become surprised and then I still wasn't getting pregnant. And so I went in to just start to get tests done. And I honestly, I wasn't necessarily ready to say, I'm going to go all in and start IVF because in my head, I still, nobody was really being that honest with me actually about how, you know, my fertility doctor then in Dallas and he was amazing, but I only had, I think like 11 or 12 resting follicles, which is like, it's very low already. And I don't remember what my AMH was at the time. I'm not sure. I just wasn't really invested. It was, I wasn't personally, honestly, ready to be pregnant even then. So, I, but I knew I needed to kind of figure out what might be going on. So I went to get all those tests done and I started traveling a ton for work. And I was like, okay, this is just like not the time, but it seems like we're in pretty good shape. I, 12 sounds like a lot. I, I don't know. <laughs> and <laughs> Now it really does. <laughs> now it really, really does, you know? And so I just sort of, I just kept going like hardcore. I was traveling probably 48 weeks a year. And so um, I just kept blaming it on, oh, I'm not in town enough, right? You know, when I'm ovulating or whatever. And that's that's why we're not getting pregnant. And I just, I wasn't really paying attention to it. But we kept trying, but we just, were, it was just not happening. So then at 30. Four, I ended up getting the, we were, I was actually thinking about, I need to go maybe start doing IVF treatment and the job offer for Marketo came up when we were going to then be relocating to Denver and we were going to go down that path. And so I was just like, this is not the time. This is a once in a lifetime opportunity for me career wise that I need to go take. So I did. And I think that was the, that was the active year. I feel like I was kind of putting it off and really probably should have leaned in more then, but I wouldn't do it any differently. I wouldn't be where I am in my career if I hadn't done that. So for me, it's exactly the journey we've we've been on and we're supposed to take. So anyway, that was when I then moved to Denver and I found out there's like a world-class, one of the best fertility clinics that people travel here just happens to be in Denver. And I was like, okay, we got to go. Well, then you go through the whole new workup process, which, you know, takes six months to nine months. And then you, you know, you just, it just time, just time keeps passing. Oh, so God. I know, anyway. I know it so well. <laughs> I mean, is there anything that, I, and I, I really relate to what you're saying because it, it does feel, I've often said, it feels like you're the first person to go through it sometimes because it's so confusing. And one reason we launched Pregnantish was to demystify something that so many people are going through. Why is it like the Wild West? Why are we trying to connect reproductive dots everywhere when we have hints of it? Like, we just don't know what's happening in our bodies. And then some general doctors sometimes say, oh, I had this. Right. You're young. Like, right. whatever. Uh, so just kind of using your voice and hopefully uh, pregnant using our platform, a lot of what we're trying to do is just educate people about knowing what's in our bodies and asking questions and getting the right information because it shouldn't be such a wild goose chase to find out what the heck is happening. A hundred percent. And I, so the thing that I encourage now, I mean, where I am, I, I have, a, I mean, a ton of women work for me, you know, single women who are very career driven. They don't know what they're going to want in 10 years and five years and 15 years. And so I really strongly encourage them to take advantage of the benefit. Google offers incredible benefits. So it's, you know, free to basically retrieve your eggs and to, and to freeze them, store them, whatever you want to do. 
as well as other advanced uh, IVF treatment. And so for them, I'm, I, I see the only, you're not making the decision to have a child right now. All you're making the decision is that you're giving your future self an option to have a child and you're doing it at a low cost uh, with the world-class treatment. I agree that being proactive and advocating for our health is so important. And I always appreciate when anyone, especially people in the public eye like Sarah, is out loud with their fertility stories. It isn't easy, but it helps those of us who are struggling feel more seen and more supported. And speaking of this, I wanted to say thanks to today's episode sponsor, Fertility Out Loud. Fertility Out Loud is a platform and social media community designed to support anyone experiencing fertility challenges and includes resources to help you navigate insurance coverage or find a fertility specialist and provides guides to help you be prepared for your appointments. Fertility Out Loud also shares experience and advice from people who have been there themselves. Sign up for Fertility Out Loud for guidance to help you better understand your fertility journey, resources and tools to help you communicate with your doctor and navigate insurance coverage, and support from a community of people who have been where you are. Visit fertilityoutloud.com for more. And now, back to Sarah. I, I really think that it's important to understand, yes, what your AMH level means. I mean, I... I was so busy with work, even when I started IVF, I can't tell you, I probably went through three retrieval cycles without taking just the basic correct vitamins that I should have been taking. I mean, that's so stupid, but well, we've <laughs> but all <laughs> also been there. And, you know, I was there too, actually at the exact same age as you, when you started kind of wondering what was happening because yeah. the trying, not trying part being career focused, kind of saying, well, if it happens, it's meant to be, but I'm so busy right. that I'm not going to put pressure on. And then it almost sneaks up on you where you're suddenly filled with a bit of anxiety and then you try to get answers and that starts to feel very overwhelming. And that's when the value, like if you think you wanted it a little, it's really in your face. But thankfully, like you said, you're at a company at Google. I mean, Google has one of the best benefits in terms of fertility and modern family building. So tell yeah. me what you know of it. Because what I read while I was researching before you, yeah. you came <laughs> on, I was like, you know, why didn't I look into this? I mean, it was, uh, I saw offers about $75,000 in IVF benefits, including three IVF cycles, PGS, that's genetic testing, egg freezing, storage. Is that correct? Is that around what it is? is? It's actually the the total value, the benefit, I think actually ends up being even greater than that because I I believe that there is, I could be wrong, it may be even bigger than this, but I know there's at least up to $50,000 in just fertility drug related coverage. And then for the procedures themselves, we have what are called these smart cycles. Personally, I was doing a mix of egg retrievals as well as transfers. And each of those is considered a half cycle and we get four of those. So essentially I could have done eight full different egg retrievals and freeze all cycles. um, And that would be totally covered in addition to the medication. Or I could have done, you know, four retrievals and four transfers. I've yet to run out of benefit yet, and I've used a lot of it in two years. So, and and by the way, I worked at Adobe before, and Adobe has incredible benefits as well. I don't know if they've inc- increased theirs even since I was there, but they offered up to kind of six retrievals or transfers or what have you, as well as a significant amount of fer- fertility drug benefit as well. So both companies, and I, I didn't, I actually did not choose where I was working at all based on that. I was very, very lucky and blessed 
to go through that. And that's why I've been able to do nine, I've done, I think nine retrievals now and two transfers. So um, anyway, but that's yeah, just very, very, very healthy, um, amazing culture around that. And I know a lot of women who have leveraged that at Google and are very vocal and advocate advocates for other women to, to do the same and use the same. I, it's an incredible thing and it actually can attract be- good talent. Like I know that yeah. wasn't key to you going into this position, but today a lot of people in our audience have chosen companies that support them. We of course had Christian Barrero calling on our um, infertility looks like campaign. He's a U.S. Air Force sergeant, took a job at Starbucks to get benefits. Yeah. This is messed up America that we have to do this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm originally from really Canada is. where under 43, you get in the province I'm in, I free cycle. Um, in really? others, yeah, other provinces. I didn't even know that. Yeah, a lot of the world, not, yeah. you know, industrialized nations, uh, support this. And we're in an era right now where it's very much on our minds, you know, to support people who work so hard to be parents. I mean, these 100%. are the parents we want, right? These are the children we want uh, in the world, I would think. Well, yeah. And I mean, there's, you know, if you think about also, like, the, we, we also have surrogacy benefits, we also have adoption benefits. And so any any way that you want to start a family, I think it's really important to have that support. And, you know, I, there's, there's a ton of of couples I know that have gone through this and also just gay couples that have like experienced obviously the ups and downs of this who have had to navigate that in some cases with surrogacy and others where one woman will carry the baby mm-hmm. for one one cycle another will try for another and it's just like making sure that everybody has access to the ability to be parents if they choose to be it's like uh, I just think it's so important right now that like companies continue to invest in it if we're not going to have you know the healthcare support we need as a country um, to provide it otherwise. Hey man, since you came out and I, you know, on Twitter, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> what has the response been like? Are you meeting more people even through your company, through work, who are coming out to you now? Yeah, I mean, it was it's funny. I yes, my tw- post on Twitter or thread on Twitter. The goal was that people would be able to reach out to me through direct message who have maybe gone through it or we're going through it or I could provide help. And I had, I mean, hundreds of people actually, and that was the whole goal. There was a whole lot of weird vitriol on the side. <laughs> I didn't know where that always. came from about it. There always is, but you never really expect it. And then the point though, it was so much worth it was all the people and the, you know, men and women who had gone through that and who were going through it and were just wanting to share their story and to also in some cases offer their support, what have you. I also had like a couple of different people that, or you know, celebrities who actually reached out privately to me to say, I'm going through this. I haven't told anyone, but somebody sent me your tweet and it just, you know, made me feel great to have somebody who's like literally the same age in the same scenario has gone through all the same things at the same stage in, in their journey. And so it's just funny that everybody in different walks of life, like has this experience, but is very, in many cases has to be private about it. And I can't even imagine having the scrutiny of being in the public eye and having even more people be questioning or just critiquing what choices you're making or what you're doing. And then within Google, I had so much support. I mean, of course my boss, but then my, our global CMO was just like reaching out like, Hey, I saw, you know, what, what you shared. Have you met so-and-so over in this other part of the business? Who's been going through this, who has her own podcast or has done you know these things. And so it's just really fun because the dots have connected in a, in a greater way. And we have a mothers in waiting group, which is very anonymous, but you can be, you can be anonymous or you cannot be and choose to be as a part of that. 
side of the business and and share and just ask questions and be a part of a community of other people who are going through it who really just want to be educated and know more about how to leverage our benefits or whatever else. So it's been really cool to experience that. And actually, there's uh, another VP who had been a mentor to me, or she was actually going out on maternity leave, actually, I think, uh, to deliver her baby. And she had gone through 12 rounds of IVF, something like that, <laughs> over her journey and was able to give me really strong advice about how to manage, you know, my time, how to manage my stress, how to do that, particularly at Google. And now we're we're hoping to like team up to become more of a vocal voice for that across the business. Just because the position we're in, we're able to empower other women by being transparent ourselves. So it's so important, especially in the tech world. There are so many people, you know this very well, yeah. who are, are even scared to share what they're going through because it maybe for so many reasons, they feel like it's going to impact work negatively or people will judge them. What does it mean to you that people have heard your message so so clearly and come forward? I really hope, especially for women earlier on in their career, it's given them a little bit more empowerment. I mean, it took me until almost 40 to share that. And I've been battling that for now, technically almost a decade in some respect. I kept it private uh, because I thought it was selfishly at some point benefiting me. And I don't know what that meant, right? Like keeping it private somehow meant that I was going to get one more phone call for that next big job, or I was somehow going to get what, I don't know. I just had all these ideas of what other people might interpret that to mean who haven't actually experienced it themselves. And the reality is this is the most important thing going on in my life right now you know, go coming into Google, I, the first phone call I had with my now boss, I was like, listen, I need you to know what I'm going through. I was like, this is all the stuff. This is what it requires. Cause I could not put myself in a position anymore to have to quietly not suffer. You suffer. Yes. But to quietly navigate the unpredictability of your schedule, it's just impossible. So it's like, you've got to be comfortable that there are going to be two weeks every couple of months where I am not going to be online until 10 AM. And sometimes because my clinic is just inefficient. It's going to be 1045. And I can't tell you what day that's going to be because they just randomly decide when blood work takes 50 minutes, you know, <laughs> it's yeah. just, it's going to be a thing. And then there's going to be a random series of three days when I'm going to be completely out of commission and can't make decisions because I will be on drugs. Thank goodness. They're really good drugs. Or I'll be I in yoga be pants. Like I won't or, be or, ready right, for that right. meeting. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. And, and like, and, and also when I do transfers now, I mean, some of the great advice I got from that other VP was take the time, like, take a week off after you do a transfer because you, you cannot go straight back into that stress mode. She goes, cause you'll, you, you, you know, it may or may not impact it, but she goes, you'll blame yourself if it does, you know? So I think those things and just having more flexibility, that's the gift of it is that you've got, I mean, people have to actively know or else I'm not a fit for that company. And I think that's the bigger thing is that companies need to be able to adjust to that because if we're ambitious women, we work 24-7 anyway. It doesn't really make a difference on the output. It's just, let's be honest about where there's now going to be variability in the time that we're able to commit and dedicate. It's the same thing if you actually have a family and you're having to like support you know, young children and you're getting them ready for school and you're having to navigate different things, even especially in the last two years. I think that's just being really open and honest about what we need from our employers. There are actually a lot of companies that will respond really well, and Google is certainly one of those. That's incredible. Is there anything else you want to add? I'm so inspired by 
you using your platform, your voice, you are a public person. I couldn't believe that you responded to my DM so fast because, <laughs> you know, I'm in the media. I sometimes get a lot of messages myself. Yeah. You must have been so overwhelmed after that thread. And it got a lot of love. I mean, also, obviously, some <laughs> unfavorable yeah. messages, but it got shared a lot. How did you, did you, were you just up responding all night? And is there anything you want to add? Yeah. I, uh, so a couple of things. I was, I actually would carve out time. I, it took me weeks and I still don't think I responded to everyone, but I, it took me, I would sit down every night and just try to respond to 10 to 15 messages. Cause I was custom. I wasn't like stop responding. <laughs> there wasn't like a robot. A, right. <laughs> right. <laughs> I was like, I would have a real conversation. <laughs> so I would try and I would get through more and then get right. through more. And so it was, but it was really, you know, I, I felt bad. I was like, I wish I could blast. And I, I actually think I did. I was like, I'm still responding to everyone. Please be patient with me. <laughs> But it was really cool. I think, uh, but listen, I think the thing, one thing we haven't talked about that I, I will kind of leave everyone with, which is I do think, and I'm still going on this journey myself. I am a very different person I have found in a doctor's office than I am in every other part of my career. And that's a very weird thing where I sort of shrink into being a non-expert who isn't and wasn't, especially in my early years of going through this, wasn't as willing to speak up and advocate for myself and I think the most important thing for any woman going on this journey and any man going on this journey and any couple in any context going on this journey is that you're willing to speak up and that you will advocate for yourself. And if you can't, find someone else who is a nurse, who's an ultrasound tech, who is whatever that you can speak to and even bring them to your doctor's appointment with you. Like, I don't care. Find a way to have a voice to be able to ask the hard questions and, you know, making sure that, again, you feel fully comfortable that you're getting the treatment and the care that you need. It's the number one most important thing because not everybody has the chance to make like I feel like I've made mistakes by not asking tough questions in earlier cycles. And I should have. And not everybody has the the, you know, the luxury of making mistakes and having multiple cycles. Be bold about what you need and the questions that you want to ask and the information that you need to feel comfortable going through the cycle because if you don't, no one else is going to advocate for you. I so agree with that. Sarah, I think you've sparked a lot of listeners. Thank you so much for Thank being on the Primus so much, Podcast. How can people find you and follow you? Yeah, I mean, I guess on Twitter, I'm uh, at S-A-Y-K-A-Y. It's the fastest way to reach me, honestly, on Twitter. <laughs> so any, anytime, any, any, uh, any conversation, I'm happy to engage. Thank you. And thanks for listening to another episode of the Pregnantish Podcast, where we always have real talk about fertility and where we show what infertility really looks like. It's our mission to continue to elevate this conversation with news-making guests and powerful stories. If you haven't subscribed, please do and find us wherever you listen to podcasts. Until next time.